Welcome to Liminal Theology, a podcast exploring boundaries, transitions, and being in between. I'm your host, Jonathan Best, and join me as we journey into liminal space. Today, I'm excited to introduce John DeWall to the program. John is the creator and executive director of Liminal Space, a nonprofit that helps individuals navigate life's major transitions. John attended the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology, receiving his Master's of Divinity in 2007. Liminal Space combines the often segregated disciplines of spiritual direction, life coaching, and counseling in order to provide tools and resources that allow clients to intentionally and courageously embrace their future. Welcome to the show, John. It's great to finally talk with you and explore liminality together. So good to be here, John. Thanks for having me on. So I'd like to begin this conversation by exploring some of the stories and experiences that led you to liminality. Has liminality always been important in your life or did you discover it later? Well, I think it's, a, I would say both. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's been important to my life and I think it's important to everybody's life. Um, and I don't know that I discovered the value of that space until the adult years. Um, but you can, I can narrate moments in life um, that have occurred that I can see that was a transition. That was a moment of liminality where there was a distinct before and there was an after. I wasn't sure what was coming and feeling some of the discomfort, um, if you will, of that space. I remember being two, uh, going into the second grade um, and it was summertime about this time as a five or six year old and coming down the stairs and saying, dad, can we talk? And sitting on the front step and talking about being nervous about going into the second grade. I don't recall exactly why, but I remember that moment and the need to talk and explore that with my father um, who received my um, fears and anxieties about that in a very loving way. Um, So I, you know, and I can, narrate many, many moments throughout the course of my story, all throughout those early years before becoming an adult, where these moments of discomfort um, and questioning, uh, pain, um, struggle, suffering, um, and even good things that bring about a season of change and transition um, as being highly valued. Um, And so, um, even if we don't like them or enjoy them, um, I see the value in them, especially now as an adult in my 40s. Um, so, yeah, lot, lots, lots that um, I could say about, you know, <laughs> the, the stories that have brought me here of liminality and the value that they, they have in my life and getting me to the point where I'm at today. Drawing on from your experiences, how would you then define and describe liminality? You've mentioned the idea of transitions and kind of the apprehension and fear that that happens when we encounter a transition in our life. How do you describe it to others? Um, Many different ways, uh, but I would say the the distinguishing um, aspect of liminal space that I think is consistent for everybody, it's a place of waiting and not knowing. Uh, it's a place where the familiar isn't present the way it used to be and routines are disrupted and you're in a place that feels disordered, um, disrupted 
uh, a bit chaotic or often a lot chaotic. And that brings with it a fair amount of confusion and a lot of challenging questions and problems that need to be solved. It's stressful. Um, and I think it's easy to associate those words and all that I just described to, um, you know, bad circumstances, whether it be like losing your job or a spouse or cancer or whatever the, the thing may be. But I think even the good transitions are really hard, you know, getting married, um, not a walk in the park for most of us, really hard to figure out what it means to join two lives together, having kids, lovely. Um, and it's one of the more brutal experiences as an adult, um, you know, changing jobs, um, getting a promotion, working at a different elevation than you did before. Not easy to figure out a role that you've never done before. Not easy to figure out what it means to lead at a elevation you've never been at before. Even if it comes with better pay and a different lifestyle that you've been afforded. Um, you know, so all of these things that um, are both good and, and welcoming and desired or unwanted carry with it a degree of um, uh, waiting and not knowing. Um, and how we live in that space is the determining factor to, to, to write the story we want for our future. Um, how we train ourselves, prepare ourselves, sit with the unknown, with the ambiguity and the uncertainty um, has everything to do with how the story is going to unfold moving forward. And if we don't, if we don't figure out how we stay in that space with a generative mindset and a, um, a presence that can um, hold some of that with a degree of health and, and look for understanding, we'll leave it and we'll miss the gold and the treasure that's buried there. Um, and so I'm constantly, I'm constantly inviting people um, to stay as long as is necessary to learn what the transition's trying to grow, trying to form inside them, um, because that's where I think the gold is. Where does liminal space come in, the, your con life coaching and consulting program? What inspired you to create liminal space? Is it this willingness to help others, help others through this transition, through these transitional times to alleviate some of that fear? I think a lot of the inspiration to be with people in this space comes from some of the stories for myself of wanting similar. Um, what it's meant to have that guide or mentor, friend, um, father figure, uh, step into spaces where you feel vulnerable and ill-equipped um, and don't know how to see up from down. And so to be cared well in that, cared for well and loved well in that space, I, I think is deeply healing and um, infuses us with hope um, and the ability to take one step forward um, one day at a time. Uh, and, and I think most of us, as we go through these moments in life, are looking for those, um, uh, those individuals, those sources of guidance and hope. Um, and in that vulnerability, it, it's scary to ask for that. So um, because we don't want to, especially in our culture, we have the bootstrap culture that, you know, says we have to figure it out and, you know, find the straps, pull and keep moving on. And that's applauded, that kind of individuality. Uh, and I don't know that I see that as strength. I think there's profound strength in naming weakness, where you feel ill-equipped, where you need help, 
and listening to ideas, um, listening to others and their questions they have for you, inviting that vulnerability out into the open, um, wrestling with it out in the open. Um, and so that's what I find inspiring, the individuals that are willing to do that on the journeys I go on with them um, and the, the willingness to look at the, the hard realities that brought them to this moment. Um, who are willing to grieve and let go of things that are no more, the old story, if you will, and sit in that space of waiting uh, and not knowing, and then do some wondering uh, and some vulnerable exploring and listening for what's the next story out ahead and the dailiness of that journey, the, the faithful dailiness of picking one foot up after the other and transitioning through that, that wilderness. Um, that is a beautiful, inspiring journey, especially when that person becomes more alive, more their true selves. Um, is there any more sacred terrain to walk upon in this, in this world? I don't believe so. I think it's where the best is found. Um, and, and so that's, that to me is, uh, that's just intoxicating to be able to do that with people. Um, that's when I come home after a long day of working with clients and it's after six months of working with a, with a person, you hear them say something that they could have never said six months ago and they're naming truth and they're moving towards it with decisions they're making. Uh, that's good stuff. Uh, I'll smoke that every day of the week. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's, 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 um, that's why I do what I do. Um, and I, I, I grew the practice and um, I decided to go down this road of creating this uh, because I think when, when I graduated seminary, uh, I originally went into that, onto that path of education thinking, oh, I'll, I'll go work for a church someday or I'll go start a church someday. I, I really only saw a couple of different paths available, but as I grew closer to that finish line, I just felt like those containers weren't exactly what I wanted to put myself in and they, they weren't, they weren't big enough or they weren't, I don't know. There's something about it. that just felt like not where I was supposed to go. Um, I turned down a job opportunity to work at a great church uh, and put myself into uh, even more so into a liminal space as I approached mm. graduation um, by choice as I turned that down and it was during that time postgraduate school where I started wrestling with like, guy, what do I want to do? Where do, where do I really want to direct this? Why did I even move out to Seattle to, to go on this path? What, what, what's this dream, this thing inside me? All of that being asked while in the foreground of most days, I was a contractor. I needed to pay the bills. Uh, I had a baby on the way, mortgage, all that kind of stuff. So this was back in 2007. Um, and in the tensions of needing to provide um, and wanting to find something meaningful is where the conversation keeps rumbling, either with friends or colleague or mentor. And um, eventually where that led me in my own journey is a, an experience of acute pain and suffering and discomfort when I fell off a roof. Hmm. And uh, that was back in 2010. Um, I fell off a roof. Uh, not too far, but it was enough. It was about 10 or 12 feet landed onto concrete. Oh, um, 
And I stuck the landing, but the force of all of that through one of my ankles just basically damaged all the bones and soft tissue and uh, many surgeries to get it put back together, many months off my feet. Um, it was about five total. Uh, and it, just a long recovery. Um, and it put me and my family, we had a two and a half year old and a four month old at the time. It put my wife and I and our two kids into uh, probably the most intense season of liminality that we've mm. ever been, been in. Um, but what it did for me personally is it bought, brought forth that question front and center uh, because I didn't have the distractions of daily work demands that were always there. Um, I was pinned to a bed. So I really had to wrestle more like with this question, like, what do you want? What do you want? Hmm. And to be able to have honest conversations with those that are visiting and not in the immediate weeks, you know, as I'm still like feeling the fog of all the drugs. (laughs) Hmm. Um, But in the months that followed, like really to explore, I don't want, I don't want to keep doing what I've been doing. I want to approach this question in a more, um, integrated authentic way with how the choices get made um, and how I build a career uh, and how I translate that into um, bringing my voice and my presence to those that are going through seasons of disruption Um, because that's where I think I find uh, I feel most at home when I'm walking with people through that space. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think for me and I feel the reality of, of those stories like that, that one of falling off the roof in the months that followed and the years that progressed afterwards as a profound, intimate conversation with that question, what do you want for your life? What do you want for your life? If you look at the stories behind you and the look at the stories ahead, um, how does that translate into your unique way of inhabiting the body, the mind, the heart that you've been given right here, right now, um, as uh, in this point in history, how do you bring that to the world? And if it's possible, could you make a living doing it? Um, and that's what I set out to do. Um, and guy, it's been quite a journey, (laughs) quite a journey. Um, lots of bumps, lots of roadblocks, um, lots of failure, um, lots of successes, uh, and, and so, so many stories of working within conversations where, um, truth is spoken and courage is on display in the actions that are, that are taken. Um, and that's a beautiful thing to be a part of. I find it inspiring that, you know, through sharing your story, that through your own transitions, those difficult points in life that, caused you to reflect on liminality and to search for and realize that question of what do I want to do for, with my life? And then from there, have the willingness to help others through do their own difficult transitions. And you said something interesting that your life was going through several transitions already, but it wasn't until you had that time where you could do nothing else because you were recovering. Yep. That you're able to realize what was happening, the deep process of reflection that was going on within your own life. I'm wondering 
I think a lot of us are going through and struggling with different transitions. And we may not be aware that we're going through a transition or that we, we certainly feel the struggle and the grind of daily life. Mm -hmm. But for many of us, I think we lack that opportunity or that special person in our lives that can help us with that deep, with finding that deep question of reflection of what do I want for my life? And so, to me, I see that as really jump-starting that process of liminality. Many of us are in transition already, but that recognition of the transition seems to be key, that we just get kind of probably get stuck into the daily grind of, that, of what's going on until we either have that moment of reflection or that person or opportunity or space that allows us to ask that question, what do I want for my life? Is that what you see yourself as? As a, uh, You described yourself as a liminal guide on your mm-hmm. website. Mm-hmm. Is, is that part of your job is to help people kind of realize that question, what do I want for my life? And then to set them on that path of that path of liminality toward toward discovery, discovery of, of oneself and, and discovery of what um, one wants to do. Yeah, I, uh, yes, yes, without question, yes. Um, I think that's why we're all here is to figure out how to answer that question. Why am I here? Who am mm. I? Um, I think that's our greatest calling while we're walking on this planet, not in a self-indulgent way, but in a way that connects us to a much larger story, mm-hmm. um, which is ultimately what I'm interested. I am not interested in a person's happiness I'm interested in how they fit into a larger story that will ultimately bring them joy. Joy is something that's always supposed to be connecting to others. Joy is to be shared. Um, Joy can look like blood, sweat, and tears, but those blood, sweat, and tears in the service of a much larger story than just your own satisfaction. And it strikes me like right now, it used to be that I could say to, you know, I would say to someone like, give me five minutes and I'll listen to your story. And I guarantee you will find a place that is in transition in your life. We Mm -hmm. will find liminality. Never in the history of our world, the way that we are experiencing it now, can we unequivocally say that everybody is in liminality. Everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody on the planet is experiencing some level of deep disruption, deep disorder, um, and not knowing yet how this story is going to get put back together and not knowing how they're going to play a part in that, right? Or if they should, or if they want to. Um, And what it's, it's really putting before all of us is this question of what makes a life now? What makes, what makes it really matter now? Um, and we're in the early, early stages of a, of a marathon of uncertainty. And I think in our guts, we all know that. I know you're in Florida. You know, it's, it's the epicenter right now of COVID. And we're going to see that epicenter move around the country as, as the months progress. So we're going to see much more suffering um, and loss. And that's always the first part of every transition is this disruptive change, lots of ending, lots of letting go, lots of grief, um, lots of fighting against that grief, lots of resistance and denial of that grief, lots of bargaining. But the only way through any transition, any transition, good, bad, wanted or not, 
is to move through that space of ending, of letting go. Only then can we move into a space where joy, um, possibility, wonder about what the next is, if, if that is to ever be sustainable, we have to loosen our grasp on the old story. And that's what I think we're seeing a lot of people right now struggling to do. How do I loosen my grasp on what I knew when I don't have yet something to put in it? Um, that's the walk of faith. That's the dailiness of taking one step at a time through a wilderness. Um, and I would say this is a journey that we cannot do on our own. We need guides. So that's why you know, I call myself, myself a liminal guide. Another metaphor image that comes to mind is a Sherpa. Um, you know, I will carry some stuff, but ultimately it's your journey. It's your path. Um, I've been up mountains many times, not this one in particular because it's yours, but I have enough wisdom and knowledge and experience to be able to say, wait, 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 stop. Don't take another step. Let's look at what's going on right here. Look at the view here. It's beautiful. Or let's catch our breath. Uh, it seems like you need to adjust your pack. You're carrying things you don't need to be carrying. Let's talk about that. What are you holding on to that you need to let go of and set down right here? Because if you don't, you're not going to get to where you want to go. You know, I'm speaking metaphorically, but quite literally, people are carrying things around inside them that are tied to the old stories of their life. And if they don't learn to grieve and let that go, it won't be possible to get to the top. They'll stay in a cul-de-sac. And I see this again and again and again. And that cul-de-sac is full of ghosts. Full of ghosts. And the biggest one, I think, for many is the ghost of regret. Um, you know, 10, 15, 20 years later, if I'd only said this or let go of this or chosen this, if I'd only, then I would have been here or there. Um, and that's such a difficult reality or truth to face. So really, so much of this work early on as I'm walking with people on their trails whatever that may be, all the switchbacks that we're going through is to recognize there's things that we can let go of. There's things that we can leave behind, things that we can grieve, the meaning that the old story held, and really do that in an honoring way. Not in a way that says, you know, wipe those tears, buck up, keep moving. But in a way that says, yeah, that hurts for a reason. That hurts for a reason. And some, some of that hurt we brought about because of the choices that were made. Um, because of what we saw or didn't see. Let's own that. Let's own that. And then let's keep moving one step at a time. Oh, there's another switch back. Let's keep going. We can get there. Let's keep moving one day at a time. So there's such a dailiness to, to this journey, um, such a trust, um, such a, uh, a reliance on um, this truth that this too shall pass. This is not the rest of the story. Um, just like with COVID, this is not forever. This is right now. Um, this is today and for the foreseeable future. But we will look back on this time. I think a lot of us will look back on this time and we will see the stuff that came bubbling to the surface in our lives. And we'll realize, had it not been for that season of prolonged uncertainty, we would have never even remotely began to ask that question that led us to the truth and the choices we made. We would have never gotten there. We would have never made this better or become this kind of person, you know? And that's where the gift of these, these seasons of disruption and instability reside. Um, that's, that's the gold. Um, 
again, I wouldn't wish COVID on anyone. I wouldn't wish falling off a roof on anybody or, 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 you know, cancer, death, loss, heartache, any, any of, I won't, wouldn't wish it, but um, I am so aware that most of the truth that surfaces would have stayed dormant had it not been for that liminal space because we're comfort seekers. We like routine by, by default. We want to be safe. Most of us, right? There's a few adrenaline junkies among us that look for danger. <laughs> uh, but um, that's the, the beauty of these times is um, it invites us to the reality is very little is under our control. Um, so in light of that, in light of that, um, what's sustainable? And that has everything to do with the character of the person you are. Um, the parts you're proud of and the parts that you're not and building up things that, that are true, that are truly tied to your true self and making good choices from that space. I got a lot to say. I'm, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I, I, I love this imagery of letting go. Mm. It seems like what you what you're proposing and, and what you help others do is, is to go on a journey. And, and oftentimes the way we think about going on a journey is to see how much stuff we need, how much stuff we can carry. Mm -hmm. um, I have this image of someone with a backpack and every sort of doodad and gadget prepared yep. for every type of circumstance. But, yep. and, and, and it's the way of, it's a way of seeing the future as as one of fear and it seems to be what you're doing is replacing the how we look at the future the days ahead not out of perspective of fear but a perspective of opportunity that mm -hmm. that this is that this is a time to start to let go of the things of the past that have weighted you know weigh down on us that make that journey mm -hmm. tiresome and burdensome and instead look at the journey as one of, of opportunity that we should, maybe I could describe as a sense of eagerness for, for that sense of change. I, and I, I speak as one who loves routine. I, I love routine. I love, you know, mm -hmm. I love comfort. And, and because there's a sense of anxiety when things throw you out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And especially now in, in times of, of COVID-19 and, and the yep. uh, general sense of unrest of our society is in, there is this great sense of collectively being thrown out of a comfort zone. Yep. And so I'm wondering, you know, what kind of people do you see at liminal space usually? Are you seeing everybody or is there a certain type of person? Is it, is it people in business or people in education or um, just, just people looking for someone to talk to? Who are you seeing usually at liminal space? Who's needing that, um, that help yeah. for the journey? It, it, I, I believe I've worked with every transition um, that you could probably think of. Um, I have worked with people at all different levels of influence and everything from, you know, the, the freshly minted college student to the guy who's making decisions for hundreds, if not thousands of employees. Um, and, and it, there's a, there's a space there for each person that, holds similar questions, some of which we've already discussed, 
but some of the ramifications of those choices ripple out to many lives or a few, their family, or maybe just themselves. Um, so it's, it's, it's everything from career changes, um, calling my sense of purpose in the world. Um, I can tell you what I don't want to do, but I can't tell you what I really want to do. Um, general just dis-ease um, with where they're at in life uh, and it's coming to a head. Uh, a stage of life like empty nesting, you know, the kids are gone. Mm. That provided a lot of purpose um, and even distraction, if you will. Uh, and now I'm left with an empty house uh, and no sense of why I am here or who I am. Mm. How do I go exploring that? Um, or, you know, I just recently started working with an individual who manages billions of dollars um, uh, in a hedge fund and is exceptionally good at it, but miserable, absolutely miserable, mm. um, which is a unique kind of torture. Uh, and how does, how does one extract themselves from a story that they're good at and let that go and move towards something that they don't even have, a, have categories for yet? Uh, that's a delightful conversation to be a part of and so, so hard for the client to move through. Um, so there's, there's a lot of career um, transitions, which, you know, another way of putting it is uh, how do I uh, align what I'm good at with a place where I can make a paycheck and make a decent living and provide for my needs and my family's needs. Um, how can I bring those two together, meaning and means? Uh, and, and so that's a very common, common one. Divorce is also an, another one. How do I build a life um, after pretty much every aspect of life crumbled? Um, and maybe there's kids involved or the kids have moved out and now it's just me. Um, and I don't no longer have that spouse. How do I rebuild after that? So I've, I've worked with so many different different transitions. Um, but they all have very similar aspects of waiting and not knowing the future and living with the questions and living with the stories that have come behind them and trying to pick up the clues that are present right there and put them into action and start building something new. Um, and most of my work with people is just to learn how to wait, which is not passive. Um, it's learning how to read, read the clues that are strewn about that space of disorder and chaos and start to put something together that feels more coherent, um, more rooted in uh, a sacred understanding that allows them to rebuild something, move towards something and create it. My name is Jonathan Best, and this has been Liminal Theology. Learn more at liminaltheology.org. Thank you.